Hello, and welcome to SLAS New Matter, the podcast where we interview luminaries in the life sciences. Joining me today is Kwesi Apori, the president and CEO of Karelia Biosciences and the 2020 Ignite Award winner. How are you, Kwesi? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. We are very glad to have you. First, the question we ask everybody, can you tell us about what you or your company does in 10 words or less? Yes. So we miniaturize lab tools to efficiently analyze protein biomarkers for pharma. Okay. Tell me about what a protein biomarker is. Well, proteins are basically the functional molecules in the body. So, you know, when you think about genomics, that's sort of the blueprint to health or the roadmap. Your proteins are more like the real time traffic report. So, proteins are used in transport. They're used in, you know, signaling many other processes in the body. And when you can measure proteins, it gives you information on the state of health or the efficacy of a drug or, you know, on other things that are really important in the life sciences. What other kinds of things can you use a biomarker for? I'm assuming there's the healthy endpoints and then there's the disease endpoints, right? Yeah, exactly. So biomarkers are really important, obviously, for diagnostics. You know, if you're making a test for an infectious disease, you might want to see if somebody has, you know, some either the pathogen you may detect directly, some virus, or you may detect their response to that disease, which is the antibody production or their immune response that they're producing. So biomarkers are really important in diagnostics, but also in drug development. A lot of what happens in drug development, especially recently with the sort of shift towards biologics and and immuno-oncology and cancer, they're oftentimes working with antibodies or monoclonal antibody drugs. So a lot of the testing, the safety and efficacy testing of these drugs is done by looking at biomarkers that are proteins or directly at the drugs themselves, which are proteins. And, you know, vaccines are another really important area as well, which is quite, you know, obviously in the news a lot with the whole COVID situation. So, mm-hmm. so protein biomarkers are really important across many fields of life sciences and even outside of life sciences like food safety, ag, and so on. So being honest, we've just gone across the whole gamut of research from vaccines (laughs) to drugs to biologics to diagnostics. That must mean that you guys have a very generalizable platform and tech solution. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what you've demonstrated at SLAS 2020 and how it works? Yeah, that's really a great point. Our platform is extremely generalizable. So the first product we're launching on that we demonstrated at the past SLAS conference is a next generation ELISA platform. And so ELISAs are one of the most common tools used for detecting protein biomarkers in a very quantitative fashion, either from blood or some other biological sample. And so ELISAs were invented around 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you know they're really the bread and butter of a lot of the protein biomarker research done in biology labs. But the challenge is that they're a bit slow. They take several hours. They're, they're very manual labor intensive. There's a lot of steps and washing steps. You know, that's a real challenge in, in this era where we want to move towards getting more data and getting lots of automation. So our platform is a generalizable platform that can analyze, you know, protein biomarkers in an ELISA format. And we can do it with really, really small samples, as small as one microliter and uh, really fast. So you, you can think of it as sort of a next-gen ELISA platform that we've been introducing. 
Sure. Tell me about sample volume and speed in comparison to sort of the defining technology, the paradigm of the day. How much would a normal ELISA take you to run and how would you normally go about doing it? Normal ELISA would take you about take about 50 to 100 microliters of sample. And our platform uses only one to, to two microliters. And you know, to go about running a normal ELISA, you essentially analyze this it's in a broader segment of areas called immunoassays. So it typically requires some capturable assays and that can be either an antigen or an antibody. Then you incubate some sample on that plate and then you have a bunch of other washing steps and incubation steps to then detect that sample with some antibody that has a, a tag or a label on it. So it with, sounds with laborious. Our, Let's yeah, let the machine do it. <laughs> exactly. And so, so on our platform, you would only load your one or two microliter samples, put it onto our instrument, which has a bunch of automated liquid handling, as well as it runs the assay in a completely sample in answer out format so that the user can walk away, come back, and then in about a half hour, they would have their their results compared to the several hours they would spend with a traditional ELISA. That's cool. So Kwesi, I'm curious about you personally. How did you come to choose a career in sort of product development and new technologies? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think I've always really been interested in science and have this sort of slant towards engineering. And I actually started off in undergraduate majoring in aerospace engineering just because I was really excited cool. about yeah, light and space and everything to do with that. And then as I got into engineering and, and you know saw this sort of broader discipline of courses I was taking, I, I got really interested in fluid mechanics. And that sort of led through a project that I did related to biofluids and sort of low-speed fluid mechanics in circulation. And and it was from there that I was really sort of captured with all the applications and, and the possibilities in the sort of life sciences space. And I sort of switched over at that point, ended up doing a PhD in bioengineering with a focus on microfluidics. And so this sort of product development is something that I've been working on as an academic. You know, when I was doing grad school, we were developing products in the lab that I was in at UC Berkeley to really replace a lot of different proteomics tools. So not just ELISAs, but things like isoelectric focusing, Western blot, et cetera. And, and mm-hmm. so this technology really spun out of the lab and was a great opportunity for me and my co-founders to run with and, and launch our own company. Do you find that this path that you're on right now is unique to scientists of sort of this generation or of the background of science you're in? Or is it something that you are seeing more and more of in this cohort as sort of pharma and academic roles go different ways? Yeah, I feel like it's in the last 10 years, especially, it's become more and more common because when I was starting grad school, I probably knew very few people who had come out of the program we were in and you know, sort of spun out a startup. And the whole process of how to go about even doing that was very daunting and a lot of unknown factors when I was entering grad school. But now, you know, I I still keep in touch somewhat through some of the alumni community. Sometimes I go to events or get invited to events. And I'm seeing it's much more structured for scientists, particularly academics, to have coaching and sort of knowledge on the path it would take to really spin out you know, their groundbreaking scientific innovations into potentially 
companies that have some place in the market where they can really make a big change. And, and I think there's lots of incubator programs, there's lots of advising. And I think the universities, especially UC Berkeley, um, have done a good job of really partnering people and mentors who can help younger scientists and people emerging from academia understand and, and learn the process of building out a company. I love hearing about that. So tell me, building on that, what's the most exciting professional moment for you so far? And it can be either technical or business or lab-based, whatever you'd like. I would say, I mean, one of the technical moments that really sticks in my mind was the first time we got our fully automated beta prototype of our instrument working. And I could see this thing that had vision, actually a product that's running samples, getting great results. And with all of the sort of cool design features, I, I think that was something that was really proud of along with my co-founders as well. I mean, we, we worked really hard to get from the point of an idea to an actual product. I mean, there's so much... Really, when you're an academic, you don't really understand like R&D, the research part you understand, but the development part is actually also quite challenging to implement You know, something that you get to work as a one or two off experiment to make that repeatable and actually develop a product is really challenging. So that, that was something I was really excited about. I mean, something that myself, co-founders, the whole team put a lot of work in is to getting the first version of the prototype that looks like a commercial instrument. That's really amazing. And I'm assuming based on your background in aerospace engineering and fluid mechanics, that that's why the Karelia Biosystems instrument looks so smooth and fluid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean... Uh, I don't know if I can take all the credit for that, but yeah. Excellent. So tell me, actually, it's a good transition point for uh, your participation in SLAS's Innovation Avenue. What was it like being on the floor as a startup? What was it like being around the other companies and sort of surveying the questions from people who would come up to you? Yeah, no, that was really exciting. You know, I manned the booth along with our CTO, Chris Araz, and we had a great time. It was really exciting. So I really liked the fact that there seemed to be a lot of traffic driven towards coming to see the new emerging technologies on Innovation Avenue. And I'm not sure if that was just, you know, from excitement from the people attending the conference or if there was some effort to push people there from the organizers. But it, it's a mix of all of it. <laughs> it's a mix, okay. But we were really pleased by the amount of foot traffic that was coming by. And it was great, obviously, from multiple perspectives. I mean, because we're, we're meeting people we can collaborate with and potentially, you know, even have as customers in the future. But there's also just a lot of really great scientific ideas being generated, a lot of questions being asked that were really informing us, like, about the state of what's going on in the field that we're working in and what people are excited about and, and how they're currently doing things, how they wish things could be done. And I mean, we were also really, you know, one thing I hadn't realized because it was my first time attending SLAS is, is how many um, potential like large partners come from very large corporations who are in the tools business. And so we had a lot of really large corporations stop by who could be potentially, you know, great partners to collaborating with in the future. And that was my first access to those sorts of customers. We've been the conferences in the past and, and talk to people who directly use our technology. But I think it was really valuable for us to actually meet very large collaborators as well. So 
I thought it overall was a really great experience. I also liked the fact that we got to give a, a short talk for five or 10 minutes. And, and so, yeah, I, I think I would definitely encourage people to apply to do that in the future. That's great. We'll send you a check in the mail. Thank you for that plug. <laughs> <laughs> we'll appreciate it. But how has winning the Ignite Award itself uh, helped launch Karelia? Do you have other opportunities opening up to you now that you hadn't pre-award? Yeah, that was really amazing exposure for us. It was great exposure for us. We definitely got one collaboration and there's a few other that are still in the works, but one collaboration directly from the conference with a German company and we've been doing some some assay development for them. And so that that was really exciting. And yeah, as I mentioned, we have some other collaborations and people in the pipeline. And I think a lot of that, you know, is being on in a in Innovation Avenue, but also from the exposure of winning the Ignite Award, that's something we've been able to reach out to some other potential partners with that news. And it definitely has been like a feather in our cap. And it's it's out to raising our Series A as well. It's something we've been able to talk to investors about as well. So it's really been a positive experience for us. That's great. And good luck, of course, on that Series A. I'm, I'm familiar with that kind of effort. I wonder... What other opportunities do you have for interfacing with the SLAS community in, in future? I mean, have you considered writing articles for us or speaking at a future conference with us? Yeah, that's something we kind of have in the works. We definitely want to publish in one of the SLAS journals. Right now, we have sort of our pilot launch of our business, but we're still planning to do the full-scale commercial launch in 2021. And we think that it would be great to time some of the publications with some of the data from some of our pilots, you know, to be able to get that exposure by publishing some of the SLAS journals. Great. And if you don't mind me probing, please tell me if you can't answer, but these initial projects that you're going to use to support both the Series A and the commercial launch, are they more in the pharma motif? Are they more in materials or ag? Or which of the sort of segments we explored earlier in the podcast are you finding the most traction in? Yeah, definitely in the pharma space. I would say majority preclinical, but also some clinical and clinical trial pharma space. We've had lots of pilots in those areas. We've already worked with five of the top 10 pharma companies. So we're definitely getting a lot of traction in the pharma space. That's great. So my only last question then is, what advice do you have for a U minus 10 years for a person in grad school or postdoc who's thinking about doing what you do and wants to get involved in this space between automation, data science, technology, product creation, what should they be doing now? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say advice that I would give for me minus 10 years, especially if you're coming out from academia, you probably... There's so much going on in the automation space and the assay development space. I think when you're in academia, you have exposure to a small amount of it, but not all of it. And you know, even the focus of our business has shifted a, a little bit from the initial customer group or market we thought was going to be, you know, our real core when we launched the business. It's shifted as we've done customer discovery. So I would say, like, try to get some exposure to speaking with potential customers. This is probably more specifically if you're working in a startup when you leave academia, but customer development, customer discovery, talking to customers to understand their needs and to really broaden your understanding of the commercial market, I think is really important very early on to understanding the scope of the challenges you're working on and how you can 
really bring some sort of value proposition to customers. So I would say just like try very early on to understand your customers and customer needs in the market. Don't presume that you necessarily know based on your academic experience exactly what the customers will need. Gotcha. You can make it and you can publish it, but there's no guarantee someone will pay you for it and gain value from it. <laughs> exactly. That's a great way to put it. Happy to. Um, so do you have any f- final closing thoughts you'd like to offer to the SLAS listeners and community? Yeah. I mean, final thoughts to the SLAS community. I think it's a great community. I, like I said, that was my first time attending the conference. So I, I actually don't know if it's planning to happen next year, but I hope that it happens again soon, either in-person format and definitely reach out to us if you would like to discuss any automation of ELISA needs, uh, particularly working with small sample volumes and doing things on a much more efficient platform. You heard it here first, everybody. Kwesi Apori, Corelia Biosystems. Reach out to him for all your small sample volume ELISA needs. Thank you, Kwesi. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it.